So welcome to the next session, Commerce Talks here at the Seamless Dubai. Uh, we've talked about uh, uh, the e-commerce industry with uh, many leaders from this uh, from this business. Your former uh, guests were actually active in the pure play e-commerce industry. Now I have to welcome uh, Kartik from Sharaf Retail, whose actually origins are in the brick and mortar industry, maybe moving towards e-commerce. So we are talking about this now. Kartik, can you tell us a bit more about the uh, Sharaf Retail operation, where it's coming from and what the focus is? Absolutely. Thank you so much for hosting me this afternoon. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, so Sharaf Retail is a large uh, omni-channel retailer based out of Middle East, operating in 14 different geographies across fashion, lifestyle, electronics, adventure, F&B space. We've master franchises for brands like Forever 21 and Cotton, Cotton On Group across 13 geographies. We have our own in-house uh, adventure retail brand called Adventure HQ. We are into the adventure zone, which is active mind, active space. We are in the coffee shops business, Hello Kitty's master franchisee and our in-house developed electronics retail, which is Sharaf DG. In terms of our scale of business, uh, we've scaled up in the last uh, 10 years, what we did in the uh, first 20 years of our existence. We've spread our footprint to around 140, 150 stores with a 4,000 plus people workforce and uh, aim to grow into a 3x, 4x business in the next five years. And uh, in terms of our digital presence, while some of our businesses clock 7 to 10 million people on our platform every month, some of our businesses are still new. The fashion, lifestyle, electron, uh, adventure space continues to grow at three-digit, four-digit every year, every month. We started our uh, e-journey in the adventure space about uh, a couple of years ago, and we've already grown around 28, 30 times. Fashion retail, we started uh, a year and a half ago, and we've already reached around uh, a healthy 1,400, 1,500 orders a day. That's the kind of scale we build. What is the competitive advantage you're bringing to the table when you're starting new retail uh, businesses? You have uh, consumer electronic brands um, as a retail business, fashion businesses. Uh, if we are going into more saturated markets like the Western uh, world in Europe, th there's no big retail group starting new businesses. Now you are starting in different segments, not only consumer electronic, but fashion and, and, and even more. What, what can you do better uh, than other brands expanding into this markets or, uh, um, or, or brands here from this market expanding um, in their core business? So we would say necessity is the mother of invention for, all, for us. We were a conventional brick and mortar business which grew rapidly. Uh, last four or five years have shown and believe you me, we continue to be a late adopters in this space because un unlike a lot of businesses, we are not venture funded. We are a conventional retailer and hence for us P&L and EBITDA matter a lot and, and uh, rather than uh, working on valuations and PVs. Hence, we've been late adopters in some space, but what we try and bring into the businesses is a thorough end-to-end -end, uh, omni-channel experience. So when you look at our adventure retail, which is one of the fastest growing businesses, you would see an end-to-end -end experience where approximately 30-35% of the business originates online, terminates on the stores. Another 40% business originates on, originates on the stores and terminates on the online. Seamlessness of experience all the way from shopping to the user experience to the assisted shopping to returns and the payment solutions and the loyalty is bridged in a manner that it's one customer view because what we offer to the businesses and to some of our brands is no longer the real estate and the product. What we offer is 9 million shoppers shopping with us every year. And that's the volume that we are building, which we would like to grow up to 14, 15 million in the next two to three years. Hence, what we bring is a very strong interplay between conventional retail, which is the art of retailing, and the science of retailing by bringing in a very strong user experience that optimizes lifetime value for us. 
So you're saying that you're connecting um, the e-commerce experience with the retail experience. So when you're expanding into a new market, or when you're opening up a, a store in a mall or outside of a mall, do you see a peak of e-commerce demand in that region where your new store is located? Is it how you're winning online customers? So depending on what format are we in, if we are in the fashion space, obviously, e-commerce, uh, the omnichannel experience is still a generation or two away. But if I'm in the consumer space or if I'm in the adventure outdoor sports space, the way the way we look at it is, where does my consumer exist? How does he shop? And do I have a differentiation in terms of offering him a better experience? If yes, I open the store. If no, I don't have the luxury or passion of building real estate models any longer. But, but what is your long-term view then on um, on the um, on the brick and mortar operations? Because some of the guests before obviously said that e-commerce is booming also in the regions here. You're not only active in Dubai, but in many other markets. Maybe we can dive into that in a minute. Um, and the e-commerce market share is obviously faster growing than the brick and mortar uh, uh, retail share. Do you uh, do you still consider like in 10 years from now opening up new stores, or would you focus then rather on bringing the customers you've already gained then into the e-commerce channels? So uh, the era of two formats is long gone. We no longer live or we don't no longer have the luxury of running an e-commerce and a physical retail store business. We run an omni-channel business and that's the way we would like to be seen. Second, we don't bring customers to any of the formats. Our endeavor is to take the format to the customer. And hence, whether I have a synergy in terms of trying my brick and mortar business to the stores, whether can I have a very strong experiential front end and a very strong fulfillment slash uh, delivery base or last mile back end is the choice that we would make depending on the format that we go into. Fashion would still continue to be a combination of very strong brick and mortar and uh, uh, E, but uh, electronics and uh, adventure retail space, I'm seeing a rapid shift all the way going up to around 25, 30%, 40% of the business moving in online. Okay, let's focus on the consumer electronics part a bit because we have very good numbers like from other markets. Um, when we are looking at the media market of Best Buy, they say or claim 50% of all, all orders uh, that are fulfilled um, within their operations are uh, click and collect orders. So people are like buying a TV or uh, a, a, a disher or whatever um, online, but they're still picking up online. So um, somebody are not trusting the online experience, somebody wants to really pick it up themselves. So what kind of numbers are you seeing in your consumer electronics business so are the customers still coming into your stores picking up picking it up or are, are different customers pure online customers versus pure offline customers very very category very very product dependent if i'm selling a playstation people are happy to get the playstation delivered at home if i'm selling a 40000 dirham kayak people would want to come touch feel the kayak if i'm selling a selling a 50000 bike they would want to come to see the bike touch the bike get the seat adjusted if i'm selling a television they're happy to just get that television delivered at home. Click to collect exists in categories which are strong in experience, but the rest of them are installation and delivery based and hence people prefer it uh, delivered. Unlike a lot of other geographies where click to collect has become a norm in the Middle East, at least in some of our businesses, we still struggle to see click to collect becoming a norm. And, and what is what is in your expansion strategy? If you're going into a new market and you, you are now capable of doing it both, you can build a new store for whatever, fashion or consumer electronics, or you can start with uh, with, with online. Um, let's say there's let, let's say you start something in Turkey. You're not in Turkey yet or so. Would you rather start online, trying to lure first customers in before you're starting a store, or is it the other way around? 
if it's fashion, I would take a leap uh, and say I would set up my online business. But if it's a consumer electronic or the adventure sports business, I would need to have my very strong ground presence, need infrastructure on the ground, especially the third-party networks, either being it fulfillment or services or installation, to make sure that the experience that the shopper deserves on the ground is very strong. Plus, businesses where merchandise is not owned by me, businesses where merchandise is very, very localized, I need to have a very strong ground presence. And hence, a combination of brick and mortar and online is what we would look at in certain categories. But fashion, we had already taken a leap of faith in four geographies in the last three weeks. We are opening up our fashion frontiers in uh, three countries and the fourth one maybe by around July, Ju July, August to see if we can succeed in cross-border commerce, if we can succeed with fulfillment partners in those geographies. Depending, I mean, buoyed by the success of our business in Middle East and Far East, we are, we are confident that we'd be able to get there. And you've said that uh, some of the fashion brands you're running are licensed brands. So they're, they're, those are like merchandise you're getting from uh, uh, from another brand. So if, if I were running, let's say, the Tom Taylor operations in Europe, which is a, a mid-market fashion brand, could I come to the Sharf Retail Group and say, okay, please run my stores here in this region? Depends on what's the engagement uh, that we have. The brands and the businesses that we operate, we operate on... Uh, Licensing rights for multiple geographies, multiple formats, or all owned third-party marketplaces, brand.com, etc. owned by us. So we control the supply chain, we control the product. We've not encountered situations where two partners uh, work in a, in a geography on different formats. We try and stay away from such uh, combinations because it then jeopardizes the customer interest through price wars and uh, inventory clash. Okay, so you have like an ex more or less exclusive right for the re for the region, and then there's no other retailer selling the same uh, the same brands uh, in the electronic space and certain uh, consignment businesses that we run in the stores. Yes, there would be multiple brands, but otherwise in the fashion space, the uh, it's end to end licensed to us. Okay, got it. Um, and uh, and uh, and how did you select then the initial uh, brands you were running your retail business on? Have you selected them by? Uh, uh, by uh, customer demand and said there is customer customer demand for those specific fashion brands. Let's let's get them into the new markets here. Or what then as as our leading selection process? So the evaluation of a brand, for example, Forever Twenty One, Forever Twenty One being in the value fashion space, fast fashion space, was competing directly with brands like H and M, Marks and Spencer, Zara, Stradivarius, Pull and Bear, etc. We saw an opportunity for a large business twenty four years ago. We established that brand license and we've, we've been fortunate enough to have a 40-year relationship. We've already done 20. We have another 20-year relationship on the offing. With businesses like Cotton On Group, where we've got licenses for five brands and we are adding in a couple of brands next year, it's purely by the virtue of demand supply and the maturity of a market. And what's your view on malls? I guess you're opening also stores within malls here, uh, here in the region. And when I'm talking to friends, obviously, when they come to Dubai, They're always talking about malls. Do you think that it's a stable business even for you in the future or you rather go in standalone location or smaller malls? So location would continue to be an important, would continue to be to play an important part in the business. Viability of the location in terms of affordability, footfall, cost per conversion, cost of acquisition would determine whether we would see ourselves continuing in the malls or take standalone locations. But whether it's mall or standalone, The experiential quotient of the retail formats have to improve significantly, which is what we are working on. Can I bring in a very strong artificial intelligence-based algorithms in the store for uh, showcasing products to the customer? Can I have augmented reality in fashion space to give a very strong immersive experience to the shoppers when they are shopping? Can I have a loyalty program that seamlessly runs between the stores 
can I have a cashless or a staffless stores in the offing? If yes, then we have a story to tell, which is what we are working on. As a business, while we were late in this space, the digital transformation that we're bringing to the table in the next in the last 12 months and the next 24 months is something that would differentiate us in this way. Let's talk about the online channels. You, you have the choice now running your own direct-to-consumer channels, but you can also sell via platforms like Namshi, Noon, Amazon, and others. The brands, at least, uh, you're, you have an exclusive right to, to market on those platforms. How do you do it today? So we run uh, brand.coms. We are building our own marketplace for some of our businesses. We sporadically participate on the third-party marketplaces depending on the need of the business. We don't make it a norm. And even if we were to, we would participate in a marketplace, not on an outright or a fulfilled partner partnership basis, because inventory is very dear to us. Sorry, I didn't get it. Audio. So we let's say if we were to participate on a third party marketplace like an Amazon or Noon, yeah. we would always participate as a marketplace and we wouldn't sell our inventory to them because it necessarily leads into a price war, which is not affordable. Ah, that's smart. That's, uh, you're already leapfrogging oh. the marketplace strategies. Yeah. And also, depending on what inventory do I want to part with, not at, uh, throughout the year, I might not have the luxury of parting all the inventory to all the partners. If the customer is comfortable shopping on my brand.com, obviously, the cost of getting him there is, is, is far higher. But the lifetime value of that shopper that we get is significantly better. But, but you just told you have like eight to nine million customer contacts today on a yearly basis and you want to grow into like 14, 50 million on a yearly basis. Um, how, do you, how do you connect those customers who, who shopped on your uh, consumer electronics store? Uh, how do you bring this customer into your fashion business? So uh, till about a year and a half ago, we were five to six different business ent entities. In, a year, in the last one and a half years, we've tried consolidating all the business entities with a customer first view rather than a product or a format first view. So today, all the divisional leaders have access to different customers depending on the ability or depending on the nature and, and, and shopping behavior of a customer, you're able to segment dice and uh, reach out to those customers with appropriate offerings. And how do you run your e-commerce operation then? If you have one big platform and a centralized team running this kind of platform and providing for all the brands, the, 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 the different templates, or how is it done today? Each business is run independently at the moment. We're trying to consolidate our last mile and fulfillment in certain geographies, but otherwise it's run independently. Different platforms, different teams, considering the nature of the business. Yeah. And I've learned with uh, the former guest here from Jumia that uh, essentially because there's not so many, there were not so many services available a couple of years ago, they had to do it uh, um, themselves on many, uh, on many occasions, like last mile delivery, warehousing, whatever. If you look at the service uh, um, capabilities today in the region, would you say you feel confident uh, to use um, fast delivery services from third parties to deliver your products, or would you rather build your own fast service uh, capabilities today? I think it's, it's a combination of both. There are some amazing third-party service providers available in the market, all the way from warehousing and uh, so, uh, fulfillment solutions to last mile delivery. And we leverage on their capabilities. What we don't expertise, where we don't have an expertise, there's no reason why we would park our dollars at the moment. We would rather use industry-wide skills. At categories where we would need to have our own uh, integrated value chain, we've already built it. But that necessarily would be just about 10 to 15% of the business. The remaining 85% is best used business industries uh, skill sets. When you fulfill your e-commerce orders, let's go back to the, brick and, uh, to the consumer electronics example. Are you still picking from store or do you fulfill from a central warehouse? So we avoid keeping an inventory. In certain categories, we avoid housing inventory. 
in our warehouses. We would rather link our stores to our uh, e-commerce platform and fulfill. Depending on the nature of inventory, if it's let's say I'm fulfilling a 60,000 dirham kayak, I wouldn't want to hold 10 kayaks in my warehouse. If I have 30 in my stores, I would fulfill it from there. But if I'm fulfilling fashion or if I'm fulfilling stationery, I would have enough inventory available to fulfill it. So it's, it's very, very category dependent. What is the minimum size of market to enter uh, for you? Because you said you just opened three new markets within the last, that's, that's a lot. So is that then, do you have then a very aggressive growth strategy per market or you just uh, uh, feel the waters for a couple of years in a new market and then you expand into that market? So before we announce entry into a market, we do our homework. We've done homework on these markets for a period of six, seven months. We've tested waters. We've partnered with some of them. And when we enter, we're entering as a 360 business. So we've started with our online business. We would be entering those geographies with a brick and mortar as well, because that's the kind of experience we wish to deliver. Okay. There's no size thresholds, but obviously there's a market size, uh, a market potential or market valuation that det determines whether there's space for us to go in or not. It, it, it helps us define a priority. For example, between a KSA and Oman and a Bahrain, I would definitely enter KSA first because that's where there's the, that's where the volume lies. But then Oman obviously is, a, is an important geography depending on the nuances of it. It sounds like it's swimming this growth story. When we are looking at uh, looking to this growth story from a bottleneck perspective, so what is holding you back growing 100% next year? Is it available talent? Is it warehouse space? Is it uh, advertising uh, advertising money? How, uh, what, what, what would help you to grow even faster? So the growth necessarily comes in with capabilities and ground realities. If we have our ground realities in place, our logistics supply chain last mile and our ground connect in place, we would definitely will be able to grow. Without that, we wouldn't want to take a leap of faith. We've had some experiences in the past where we tried to go ahead of time and uh, made blunders. So we'll be very cautious about it. But what determines the growth and what determines the pace is our ability to reach those geographies and build a very strong presence there. Getting a website live is a 45 day business, but getting a fulfillment network live is a six months uh, effort. Hence, we, we put our money on that first. The average customer from the 8 to 9 million customers, how many times is he in touch with your businesses online or offline on a yearly basis? So in fashion, we have a frequency of typically 4, 4.2 in a year. In electronics, it's about 1.7, 1.8. In adventure, it's about 2, 2.2, 2.3. And in uh, service retail, which is adventure edge zone, it's about 6, 7 times in a year. Depending on what geography or what what product are you buying in, your RFM definitely changes. What is the e-commerce share over all of your um, operations? I know consumer electronics is higher than uh, than fashion, but do you have a view here? So I can give you a range, ranging from six percent to nineteen percent, twenty percent, depending on which category and which business I'm in. If you're sitting here again, like in five years and on the same stage, how would you? How, what would you say is the range then? I think it should be around a good 40-45%. I would, I would say 40-45% would be a good threshold. I wouldn't then differentiate between my e-commerce versus my physical. I would say where did the customer originate and where, how, what, is the value, what is the total aggregate consumer base that I have. I would rather value my business at that and not at the share of business. Now you're reaching not only here at the stage but on, in the podcast a couple of thousand uh, uh, listeners. Is there one wish? you'd like to share with those, with, uh, with those listeners? What is it? Should there, should there be more brands coming to you offering, uh, offering exclusive deals so you can uh, build the retail operations or are there other things you would wish from the audience? We are hungry for growth. We are ready for growth. We are hungry for growth. We are passionate for growth. So whatever comes our way, we are happy to multiply it into a large business entity. 
Thank you so much for hosting me. Thank you, Karin.